0: Amen. Well, good morning, City Light. Oh, somebody better wake up. Good morning, City Light. There we go. Hey, by the way, happy birthday, guys. This is actually our sixth birthday pretty soon. Yeah, we'll be going to, Yeah. We'll be going to grade school and everything. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, Hey, to celebrate our birthday, we're also launching a new series of messages, tracking through the core values of our church. We do this every year around this time, and every year we're amazed at what God does. So if you're new to us, you've just jumped in in the last year or so, then hopefully the next four weeks are an opportunity for you to see uh, the foundation of our church and the passion of our church what we're built on, and what we run on. If you've been with us for a few years, then hopefully these next four weeks, it's like an opportunity to go back to our roots, to remember what is central, what's important, what is valuable to who we are as a church family. The four core values of our church are simple. They are directional arrows. They are down, up, in, and out. All right, say those with me. Here we go. Down, (laughs) Up, in, and out. Exactly. Okay, the first one. It all starts with down. The good news that God comes down to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he keeps coming down to us in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Guys, there would be no church without down. There's, there's no such thing as Christianity without down. There is no way to have a relationship with God without down. The good news that God comes down to us and then all of our other core values flow out of down, like up. Up is the process of how we are changed to become more and more like Jesus. In That is how we relate to one another as the family of Jesus. And out is how we relate to our friends and families, our neighbors and our co-workers who don't yet know Jesus. So again, our core values are down, up, in, and out. This morning, we start with down. And we're going to look at one of the most Epic, iconic stories in the Bible of when God came down. Acts chapter 2. By this point in time, in like the grand narrative of Scripture, Jesus has already come down and lived on the earth, lived among humans, a perfect life, no sin. And then he died on the cross in the place of sinners, and he rose from the dead. That's all recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these biographies in the Bible that are called the Gospels. Then in Acts chapter 1, the very next chapter after the Gospels, It describes how Jesus goes back to the Father just within weeks of his whole life, death, resurrection. And you would think this moment of Jesus going back to the Father would be the most disappointing, let down moment in the lives of his followers, right? Like man, they had had these awesome times with Jesus and they had been through tough times with Jesus. They got to watch the death and the resurrection of the Son of God. And then within weeks, Jesus is like, hey guys, I'm out of here. And they're like, what? Why? No, Jesus, we're just getting started. You got to stay down here, man. And Jesus like, nah, I'm out. I'm going back to the Father, but don't worry and don't rush because I will send a helper down. You're right, guys. We are just getting started. That's why I'm going to send a helper down to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down. And the story of the Holy Spirit coming down is Acts chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, go there. Open them up or open the app, whichever you prefer to use. We're going to be there all Morning long. While you go to Acts chapter 2, I'll set it up this way. I'm going to go back in time a little bit to the moment when I proposed to Whitney, my wife. And um, looking back, we really didn't have much in common other than Jesus, okay? Like we were starkly different other than our shared love for Jesus. Um, I remember Whitney and I were part of a ministry together, this prayer ministry that we did. And I remember going, wow. She loves Jesus. Like she is passionate for Jesus and she's pretty too. And Jesus led to one thing and one thing led to another. And now we've been married for over 17 years. We have five kids, two dogs, seven chickens, and lots of curly hair (laughs) all over the place. But as I look back at the beginning of our relationship, I feel like I learned something. Even though Whitney and I both loved Jesus, we came from very different church backgrounds. In fact, like if I would have gone to one of the churches that Whitney grew up in, I probably would have been like, what's happening here? This is weird. And if Whitney would have gone to one of the churches that I grew up in, she probably would have thought, what's happening here? This is weird. You ever had one of those moments in a church? Some of you are having it right now. You're like, <laughs> city-like. This is, this is a little bit weird. We're so glad you're here. You're just welcome, you know? But what Whitney and I experienced early on is actually quite common to Christians. Even though um, followers of Jesus are this shared, big, worldwide family of Jesus followers, there's a lot of different ways where Christians can look weird to each other. And one of the ways that, that happens is between people who are passionate about the Holy Spirit on one hand— And people who are passionate about the Word of God, on the other hand. Like over here, you got people who are passionate about the Holy Spirit. They are spirit folks. Holy Spirit, come down. Spirit, fall. Spirit, show up. Manifest yourself. These people know that what our young church needs, just six years old, what our young church needs is the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us more prayer, more freedom, more gifts. Just give us more of the Holy Spirit. And then over here on this hand, you got people who are passionate about the Word of God. More Bible. They read their Bibles. They study their Bibles. They memorize their Bibles. They want to teach their Bibles. They know that what our young church needs is a solid theological foundation. They're saying, give us more truth, more teaching, more classes, just more Bible. So you've got spirit folks, and you've got word folks. In Acts chapter 2, we read a narrative of how the Spirit of God and the Word of God come together in a beautiful way. It wasn't just the Holy Spirit doing his thing. It wasn't just the Word, the Bible doing its thing, and it wasn't the Spirit against the Word or the Word against the Spirit. No, the Spirit of God came together with the Word of God to exalt to glorify the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And may that be true of our church this day and for decades to come. Amen. So let's jump in. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, They were all together in one place. Now, Pentecost was a Jewish festival, like a Jewish holiday, and it would have taken place 50 days after Jesus died, okay? So Jesus died, he rose again, he goes back to the Father. Now, 50 days after his death, this is happening. Verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's the first thing to note. If you're taking notes this morning, it's really simple. The Spirit of God comes down. Right? Doesn't he? Like these disciples, they were just doing their thing, meeting together, sitting in a room, praying, talking to God, and the Spirit came down. And when the Spirit arrived, he was not quiet. (laughs) The Spirit was loud, like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And the Spirit was bright, like all these little flames of fire on landing on top of people's heads. Like, that's bright. And the Spirit was noisy, like a bunch of people speaking in language. They didn't know otherwise these foreign tongues these foreign languages all at the same time and this was all happening as the spirit came down This was the fulfillment of what Jesus had promised to his disciples just one chapter earlier in Acts chapter 1 he said hey guys I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You stay where you are and wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the Spirit to come down on you. Then when he has come down on you, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And now it's happening. Like the Holy Spirit's falling. He's coming down on them. So probably what we should do here is just pause and ask this question. Who is or what is the Holy Spirit? Like, who is the Holy Spirit? Is he God? Is he like a real person? Or maybe he's a mystical force, right? Like, you got some Jedi powers going on there. Like, is the Holy Spirit kind of like Casper, the friendly ghost? Did Snapchat get their logo from the Holy Spirit? Like, who or what are we dealing with here? The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is truly, the Holy Spirit is God, Like, he's not junior varsity God. He's varsity, full on, made the A-team, equal in authority and power and quality and worth. He is God. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, that there is only one God. Just one God. But he's revealed to us in three different, three distinct persons. You've got God the Father. God the Son, that's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And each of them, including the Holy Spirit, are fully God, but each of them also kind of tend to play out different roles in their lives. So, for instance, the Father, he tends to run things and plan things and oversee things. The Son, he accomplishes, he fulfills, he executes. And the Holy Spirit, he empowers, he animates, he enlivens. You might think of the Holy Spirit like this. The Holy Spirit is a living person, living inside a living person. Maybe even more to the point, the Holy Spirit is the living God, living inside a living person. You can't see him, but he's still a person, and he lives inside every single Christian to give them the power to love Jesus, follow Jesus, obey Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. In other words, when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came down and lives inside of you so that you can live up, in, and out in his power tracking with that? That's who the Holy Spirit is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, let's go back to our passage, Acts chapter 2. Perhaps what was most shocking to these early disciples, these early followers of Jesus, is that now the Holy Spirit is falling on all of them. Like they had read their Old Testament. They had heard stories about like Samson. Like when the Holy Spirit came down on him, he'd do these mighty feats of strength. Or they would hear stories about Elijah or other prophets. And when the Holy Spirit came down on them, they would prophesy. But now they're looking around and it's not just one guy the Holy Spirit's coming down on. It's all of them. And the Holy Spirit's coming down on them beyond their expectations, outside their control, beyond their boxes, And when the Holy Spirit comes down, he does this all the time. When he comes down, he comes with gifts, spiritual gifts. In this case, in Acts chapter 2, it was a gift of tongues. In other parts of the Bible, it might be a gift of prophecy, a gift of teaching, a gift of administration, a gift of service, all different kinds of gifts. And when the Holy Spirit comes down, other people take notice. They see it happening. They're speaking in other languages. And so this crowd gathers. Look at Acts 2. Verses 5 and 6. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, right, the sound is the mighty Russian wind, the languages, the fire, all that stuff. At this sound, the multitude came together and they were, I love this word, bewildered. Like, whoever was on the translation committee and chose that word, I want to tell them thank you. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So this crowd, they're able to hear the mighty works of God being proclaimed to them in their own language, but they're bewildered because they're looking at a bunch of backwoods redneck Galileans who should have a thick country accent Yet they're hearing their own language spoken accurately and eloquently. That's bewildering. That's shocking It's surprising. That would be akin, it'd be like Eric being able to dunk a basketball. Like you know God's on the move, right? Spirit come down. That would be like me being able to bench press more than 75 pounds. Or my wife falling in love with me because she saw me in a tank top, right? Like miraculous. God's coming down. But seriously... With all seriousness, can I tell you, City Light, we need this. And by this, I mean the Holy Spirit of God coming down, filling us up beyond our wildest expectations, beyond our own control. Suddenly, surprisingly, like we need the Holy Spirit to take over, to take charge, to take control. We need the Spirit. And listen, guys, if he comes with wind and fire and tongues or whatever it might be, so be it, Holy Spirit come. We need the Holy Spirit to come down because God has put a call on our church to multiply disciples and not a single disciple will get multiplied apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't happen. We need the Holy Spirit to come down because God has put a call on our church to not just multiply disciples, but to multiply churches. That can't be done without the Holy Spirit. We need him. Every so often, Eric and I get to like hang out with another pastor or a group of pastors. And when they hear that our young church plant has planted three churches just in the first six years of our church, their eyes always get big. They're like, how'd you do it? What'd you do? And our answer is always the same. We didn't do it. Like we have no strategy. We have no church planting strategy it was the Holy Spirit. We can honestly say that. Our, here's our church planting strategy. We pray and we follow the Holy Spirit. And he, in his power, does it. We need him. And we need him not just in our Sunday gatherings when we're all together, but we also need him when we're scattered out. Like when you're at work and a coworker asks you, what do you believe about God? In that moment, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. When it's late at night and temptation comes knocking on your door, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. When relationships fall apart, when plans go wrong, when tragedy hits you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. So City Light, may our gatherings and our scatterings forever always be marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, that's the Spirit of God comes down. What happens next? Look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It says, But Peter... Standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. So, in this moment, when the Spirit of God has just come down in mighty, overwhelming power, it's a great experience. But what does Peter do? Peter looks around and he notices some of these people, they're hearing the mighty works of God being proclaimed in their own language, but other people are starting to think that these spirit filled folks are drunk. And so Peter goes, Do I let things just keep on going? Or should I say something? Peter chooses to say something. Here's what he says, the end of verse 14. He says, men of Judea, And all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. So Peter lifts up his voice. He addresses them. He wants something to be known. He asks them to give ear to his words. So in the midst of the wonderful, powerful experience going on with the Holy Spirit, I think Peter rightly and wisely sees the need for some teaching. There had just been a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and he's going, now we need an explanation from the word of God. So, the spirit of God comes and the word of God is preached. The spirit of God comes and the word of God is preached. Here's what Peter continues to say, verse 15. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. I can just imagine Peter going, I sure hope that's the case. Verse 16. But this is what was uttered Through the prophet Joel. Now, we're not going to read the whole Joel passage, but here's what stands out. Look, Look at this. Peter quotes the Bible, the Bible, not a Twitter post or a catchy phrase or a story he heard one time or something a preacher said years ago or that he watched on YouTube. No, he quotes the Bible. In this time, the recognized authority for the Jewish people is what we now understand as the Old Testament of our Bibles. And so Peter quotes the Bible, in the like spirit-dropping, powerful experience, Peter doesn't lose sight of the power of the scriptures. He brings the whole experience actually into submission to the Bible, the written authoritative word of God. Number two, notice Peter quotes the Bible. Like, he quotes this lengthy passage. It's five verses, around 100 words. And he quotes it all from memory. Clearly, Peter had thought about these verses. He had studied these verses, even memorized these verses. And because of his rich, deep, intentional study of the Bible, he was able to faithfully explain and enjoy the awesome work of the Holy Spirit. City Light, may we always be a church church. Marked by a love, by a delight for the beauties of the Bible. This past semester, um, we had uh, kind of a few different men's Bible studies happening at different times and places. And one of the ones I was in was on Wednesday night. And uh, it felt like so many Wednesday nights. We were just down in the basement of our building, just probably five or six of us. And as we looked at the beauties of the Bible, I could feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Just books open, Bibles open, digging deep, enjoying the richness of Scripture. This is why, on a regular basis, we just preach through books of the Bible. Every Sunday, we just open up a passage like we're doing this morning, and we just walk through it city Light, May we be a people who regularly find ourselves in the middle of powerful Holy Spirit experiences, yet quoting five verses from a minor prophet to understand and explain it. People caught up in the wonders of the Bible And we don't just need a passion for the Bible in our gatherings. We need the Bible in our scatterings, like in our daily lives. When that coworker asks you what you believe about God, may Bible verses come to mind. When temptation knocks on your door late at night, may Bible verses come to your mind. When relationships fall apart or plans go wrong or tragedy strikes you, may you have Bible verses that are just saturating your mind. May we be a church marked by the beauties of the Bible, both in our gatherings and our scatterings, all right? So the Spirit of God comes and the Word of God is preached. But we're not done yet. Peter isn't done with his sermon. What does he say next? Go to Acts chapter 2, verse... 22. Verse 22, here it is. Peter says, you ready? Men of Israel, hear these words. What's the next word? Okay, let me, let me do this again, okay? This is supposed to be like climax. You ready? Men of Israel, men and women of city light, hear these words Yeah, Jesus of Nazareth. This is beautiful. Track with us. The Spirit drops, the Word of God is preached, and it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Peter takes this amazing, miraculous event. He explains it with the Bible. And then he turns the court and goes, guys, listen, all of this that is happening, it's all about Jesus. It is from Jesus and it is for Jesus. Peter continues in his sermon in the next few verses. And he's like, hey, listen, this Jesus, he was proven to you by God through miracles and signs and wonders. It's like God himself put a stamp of approval on Jesus. Then Peter tells them, you went and crucified Jesus. Jesus. That's bold. Peter's getting bold here. He continues by telling them that God raised Jesus from the dead because death couldn't hold Jesus down. And Peter, again, he goes on and he quotes a different lengthy passage of the Old Testament from memory. Then he brings it all to a climax and all to a summary in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. You ready, church? This Jesus. Yes, there we go. Whom you crucified. It's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit coming down with tongues, fire, wind, gifts, whatever it is, it's all from Jesus and it is for Jesus. The Bible, the Old Testament, with all its chapters and verses and stories, it's all from Jesus and it's for Jesus. All the history of kings of Israel and prophets speaking in the Old Testament and all the lessons learned from the Bible, it's all from Jesus and for Jesus. And I think if some way, somehow, Peter was the one standing on this stage delivering the message this morning. He'd say the same thing to us, City Light. He'd say, hey, listen. You remember when God called you to plant a church and Council bluffs? From Jesus and for Jesus. You remember when God called you to like start some city groups and they multiplied into more city groups and they multiplied into other city groups? It is all from Jesus and for Jesus. You remember when Sherwood Community Church said, hey, we want to give you our building and join up into the mission of multiplying disciples and multiplying churches? That was from Jesus and for Jesus. You remember when you got that phone call from a pastor in small town, southwest Iowa, and they ended up giving you a building. You guys got to plant a brand new church in Emerson, Iowa from Jesus and for Jesus. You remember when Jason and Sarah Joe Wilson moved from Pennsylvania, Pitt, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to Council Bluffs, Iowa, only then to be sent to Kansas City, Missouri to plant a brand new church? That was all from Jesus and for Jesus. You remember when Chuck and Kenan and over 75 others were called and they went out and they planted the church in the midst of a global pandemic? That was from Jesus and for Jesus. You remember when your children came to faith? got baptized, when your life was changed by Jesus, when over 175 people have been baptized, when over half a million dollars has been sent out of our church to global missions and church planting, all of it from Jesus, and it is for the glory of Jesus. Hear me, City Light, the story of our church is no different from Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God comes down. May the Word of God be preached, and may it be all for Jesus empowered by Jesus. There's a moment over the last six years when, I don't know, this is a personal moment for me, like where I felt like this all came together, spirit of God, word of God, son of God, all that stuff. I felt like it all came together. Um, One of our neighbors had been attending our church for a while, Um, maybe by this time for a few months, and his family, they were just shocked that he was actually going to church. Um, His whole life, he had just not been interested in church, not interested in Jesus, And now here he was in his 80s, and he was interested in Jesus. And it eventually got to a place where, to be honest with you, like he was on his deathbed. And he knew it, I knew it, and I knew that I needed to go over to his place and sit down with him and like share the gospel with him, man to man, face to face. I was so nervous, like sweaty palms. Like for me, honestly, guys, that makes me way more nervous than standing on a stage. I don't know why. But I go over, he's laying in his bed watching a Royals baseball game. And I just said, hey, man, can we talk about Jesus? He said, sure. And so I said, listen, following Jesus, giving your life to Jesus, it's as simple as ABC. You admit that you're a sinner, like you're alive, man. You just admit you're a sinner, just like Romans 3.23 in the Bible says. B, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ alone to save you from your sins. You can't do it. None of your good works are enough. Believe on Jesus, like Romans 10 verse 13 says. And C, commit the rest of your days to Jesus. However many more days he might give you, you live with and for Jesus. And my neighbor said yes. And for him, the number of days left were about three. And he spent eternity with Jesus. Now hear me. In that moment, sitting next to him in his bed, palms all sweaty, I was yeah anyways, I won't go on, but I was so nervous. I knew I needed the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't make that man born again. I needed the Holy Spirit to come down. And I knew in that moment, I needed the word of God. Not like my idea of what the gospel might be. Like I needed real Bible verses, the word of God to share with them. And I also knew that the spirit of God and the word of God, they were doing this all for the glory of Jesus. Not for church, not for his church attendance, not because of some speaker or I didn't know this was all for Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit and the goodness of the word of God, this man gets to spend eternity with Jesus. How about you? Where do you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Where do you need to go back and revisit and say, oh God, give me a passion for your Bible so that I know Bible verses so that I can sink into how good you are as I read and I study my Bible and then I go back out and I'm like, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, show up here. Spirit of God, show up in our gatherings. Where do you need the power of the Holy Spirit in the goodness of the final written authoritative word of God So that Jesus is glorified in you. Jesus is glorified through you. Listen, Jesus is why we cry out for the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit to fall, wind, fire, tongues, administration, generosity, teaching, whatever gifts he wants to bring. Just come Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus. And it's really Jesus why we hold fast and we hold on to the Bible. Deeply rooted teaching, walking through passages of scripture for the glory of Jesus. Jesus. May this be the story of our church. It has been for six years. May it continue for 60 more. The Spirit of God and the Word of God come together to exalt the Son of God. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we ask that you would do what only you can do. It is simply not within our own intellectual power or emotional power or strategic power for us to see your Spirit fall on us and experience an overwhelming passion for Jesus. It's just simply not within our power to multiply disciples. We need you, Holy Spirit. Simply not within our power to plant another church or another church or another church. We need you, Holy Spirit. And so we just, maybe in a fresh way, can we do this, church? You don't have to say it out loud with me, but very cognitively and focused, would you join me in this? And we just say, God, in a fresh way, we say this is your church. It's not mine and Eric's. It's not our elders. It's none of us in this room. None of us tuning in. God, in a fresh way, we say City Light Council Bluffs exists for the glory of Jesus. And to that end, Jesus, we say we want more of your spirit. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit. To the end of the glory of Jesus, we say, give us a passion for the Bible. May we just be abundantly Bible nerds who are saturated in Scripture. May we be spirit-filled and Bible-driven for the glory of Jesus. We submit each of our lives, we submit the whole of our church family to you. We say, we belong to you for your glory, Jesus. And then Jesus, I just, I just got to pray for anyone in this room or anyone tuning in online who they'd say, yeah, that thing you shared with your neighbor, the ABCs thing, Father, I pray for them that they too would give their lives to Jesus. Would you give them the courage, even now, wherever they are, to admit that they are a sinner, that they've done life apart from you and went their own way, rebelled against you. Even if that looks really nice in Midwestern, would they say, I'm still a sinner living apart from God? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open their eyes to see the goodness of Jesus. May they say yes to Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ alone to save you from your sin. And all who call on his name will be saved. Romans ten thirteen. And then, Father God, would you give them the power to commit the rest of their life to you? It won't be perfect, and it certainly won't be easy, but it will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saturated as they learn the Bible more and more. May they spend the rest of their days with you, both here on earth and forever in the new heavens and the new earth. So Jesus, would you give new life to people, even this morning? Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for Acts chapter two. We pray all these things in Jesus' good name, amen.